All right. Go ye kids. Go ye. Amen. Be nice to Mrs. Montoro tonight. No. They always are. All right. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. And uh, we are going to start once again on a series that we have done before. And uh, this series is about the Bible, the, its origin, its history, its translation, its preservation, uh, where our Bible came from, why we put so much emphasis uh, on the Bible. And during this study, we hope to answer uh, the, the question that is raised so often about translations and which one to use and all of those things. Well, uh, preface this right at the beginning. Uh, we're uh, not afraid of history, not afraid of fact, not afraid of studying all of the information that is out there. Uh, this has been a, a special study of mine ever since my first year in Bible college because as a student, I began to realize that as a pastor, it was going to be my job to teach the Bible. And though we're not going to spend much time here, what was the question the devil asked in the Garden of Eden? Yea, hath the Lord said. Do you realize that has been the devil's goal from day one, is to cast dispersion or doubt upon the words of God? Now, if God said something, then we do well to take heed, quoting Second Peter chapter 1, we, we had better listen. There is an obligation for the created to listen to the words of the Creator. Could we say amen to that? I mean, there's just a simple truth that is there. And uh, I get uh, a little frustrated when people begin to talk about, well, that's your truth. No, if it belongs to me, if it's mine personally... It's not truth. Truth cannot be held captive by an The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now... Will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Now, this is a psalm, a psalm that David wrote, a psalm I've talked to some people and they've tried to tell me that this psalm does not talk about the preservation of the words of God. How, how do you get to that point? I'll tell you how you get there. By ignoring what the words say in the psalm. That's how you get there. 
You get there because you already have a predisposition that you do not believe that God is capable of keeping his words clean and pure. You see, why do, why does the godly man cease? Why do the faithful fail? Because of a lack of an understanding of the words of God. A lack of a connection. You see, the only thing that you can be assured of, the only authority, I've told this to many people as they walk in, they want to know what kind of church we have. And one of the questions sometimes they'll ask is, now, now this is a Baptist church, what kind of a cult is that? And I go, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's, let's define cult. You see, a cult, by definition, is a group of people who call themselves Christians that follow another person other than Jesus Christ. That is the working definition of the word cult. You see, if you call yourself a Christian and you actually follow the words of Jesus Christ, what are you? Christian. Not a trick question, honest and true. But if you call yourself a Christian and you follow the testament of the latter-day saints as penned down by the illiterate, ignorant... Joseph Smith, using a pair of glasses called the Urim and the Thummim, reading from imaginary gold plates that he claimed to have exhumed from a grave in Palmyra, New York, that when they asked him to produce those plates and show the proof of the text of his book, of course he could not find them. Uh, when they put him on trial for perjury and lying and deception and conspiracy and a list of other charges that uh, some of which are so vile we wouldn't even repeat in our mixed audience in the auditorium this morning, uh, this evening, they put before him the letters of a Hebrew alphabet and asked him to identify at least one letter on the Hebrew alphabet of which he could not. He then... Uh, the, the prosecuting attorney then offered him the Greek alphabet and asked him if he could recognize a letter. And, of course, he failed to do so. And yet he claimed to be a scholar in both languages and in all ancient languages. And with the help of these special imaginary glasses to read these special imaginary plates, he was able to translate God's Word given to him through the angel Moroni, hence the term Mormon. You see, that's a cult. Because they use the name Jesus, but without the writings of Joseph Smith, there is no way they could have the unique and absolutely absurd and fantastic set of doctrines which they carry. You study the Mormon faith. 
And I'll tell you what, if you really want an interesting study, not that I guarantee to ask you to study false doctrine, but the parallels between the Mormon faith and that of Islam are absolutely amazing. You would almost think that they might have some common source. Well, without being too rude or detailed, the common source was in the perverted nature of man. One Muhammad and one Joseph Smith, they share that same nature and they shared many of the same perverted passions and desires and they incorporated those vile, guttural passions that the Bible teaches strongly against and enshrined them in a thing called religion. Wow. That's why we use the word cult. Because without the intervention of mankind, one could never, ever read their Bible and believe that God created man to maintain a celestial harem to provide spirit babies for bodies born on a planet that belongs to him. That's what the Mormon faith teaches. And people wonder why Mitt Romney could not get votes when he ran for president. It was because people who understood this kind of... He actually believes this. If he believes that, what would he do as president of the United States? And people refused to vote for the man. Yeah? Okay. That's a cult. But this is the promise that I have made since day one of this church, is you pick up this Bible and you read it, and you listen to the preaching, and I give you the references so you can go home and check it out. If you can see that what I'm preaching comes from the Bible, then you have a responsibility to make a choice to be obedient to the words of the Bible. And that's what our church is based on. Why does the godly man cease? Why do faithful men fail? Well, the passage here tells us very clearly is because they're ignoring the words of God. They're accepting their own words and their own ideas. They're changing the Bible to agree with them. And the Bible tells us that the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. I think of the words of Voltaire. He said, in my lifetime, I will erase the Bible. People will be reading my books. And the Bible will be a book that is only kept in libraries. Now, that's not an exact quote, but a paraphrase of one of his speeches of hatred and disgust toward God. How many of you have ever held in your hands a book written by Voltaire? I see one hand going up. When did you get a book written by Voltaire? In the library? Oh, Peter had it. Okay, one would expect that. Anyway, just so when I ask the question, he can raise his hand and say, yeah. Listen, got to be a knucklehead in every crowd. Amen. 
but he's my son. Won't tell you which side of the family he takes after, but we'll keep moving on here. How many Bibles do we have here tonight? Would you just hold it up? How many of you brought a Bible with you tonight? I promise you, you could not go into a normal bookstore and say, I want something written by Voltaire and pick it off the shelf. Now, there may be a few philosophy bookstores that would carry that stuff. But I want to challenge you that God has put to silence men like that. Their works are relegated to the, to the bookshelves of history. You see, here's what they say. With our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? How many times have you heard that in the news in the last five years or so? Who is God to tell us what to do? God is, I'm the ruler of my own body. If I want to kill my baby, that, they won't say that. If I want to have an abortion, hey, it's amazing what people say. Nobody tells me what to do. Oh, yes, they do. I don't care who you are. How many people are trying to tell the President of the United States what he can twit and what he cannot twit? Huh? I get so... Besides, now I do text. I have surrendered. I will text. But by God's grace, I will never twit or tweet or any of those things. You, you just, if you want to talk, call me. If I can't talk, I'll call you back. Uh, I, I like human voice. How about you? And uh, it doesn't hurt to talk to other people. We are so impersonal in our world. But God's going to shut these people up. And so many of them he has. What is the last thing you've heard from Bill Clinton? Now, every once in a while, they'll drag Hillary out and she'll have something to say about how she lost the election. I wish somebody just print her one of those diplomas that say, you participated, and send it to her and maybe she'll be quiet, go away, I don't know. It's sad. It's, it's really sad. You see... The Bible says, for the oppression of the poor and for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. How many of you, as a Christian, have felt the world puffing at you on occasion? I'll tell you, I sure have. <laughs> Who do you think you are? I don't think I'm anybody. But, but you believe in, you believe that book? Yeah, I believe that book. Every word in it. I believe that Jonah was in the belly of the whale. I believe that God created the earth in six literal days. I believe that Jesus Christ died to pay the price for my sins. I don't believe I'm a relative of a monkey. 
You know, I believe what this book teaches. That's the definition of a godly man. And when you're faithful, that's what makes you stand out in this world in which we live, does it not? You see, the words of the Lord are pure words. God will keep his word. I can't remember what king, but it was somewhere in Europe many, many years ago. I think somewhere in the middle 1800s, the king was there with his counselors around him. And he said, can you give me any evidence that the word of God is true? And one of his counselors stood there and he says, I will give you one word, Israel. The Jewish people are still a people. 1948, the first time in human history, a people dispossessed from their land for over 1,800 years was given back their land for their possession. Not all of it, by the way. I learned something interesting. How many of you have heard about East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem? How it's divided between the Jewish section and the Arab section? You're fairly familiar with that. How many of you know that all of the Jewish holy sites are in the part of Jerusalem that the Arabs claim to be theirs? I I was not aware. I heard one of the talk show guys, Mark Levin, did a broadcast from Jerusalem and he had a guy on the radio there and he was explaining that the Temple Mount, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, both Gordon's Calvary and the Orthodox place that uh, they claim where Jesus, all of those things are in what is known as the Arab portion of Jerusalem. Now, how did that happen? Well, it sounds like to me that there's somebody that has a vested interest in getting rid of the Jewishness of the city of Jerusalem. That was the point that Mr. Levin was making on his show. You see, the more they dig and the more they find, the more the Bible is proved and the more the Bible... Well, excuse me, we don't prove the Bible around here the more agreement they find with the Scriptures. You see, I don't care if they did find Noah's Ark. Do you think whatever that Stephen Hawkins guy, if they found Noah's Ark and transported it from the mountain in Turkey and set it in Stephen Hawkins' front yard, it wouldn't fit, but let's just pretend. Do you think Stephen Hawkins would back up one sentence in his denial and hatred of God? Absolutely not. He'd say, it doesn't exist. You made this up. So why worry about finding Noah's Ark? I'll challenge you with this. If you won't believe what the Bible says about your personal sin, you won't believe that God created the heaven and the earth. But if you accept what the Bible says about your personal sin, 
and about what Jesus did to pay for it, creation is not that big of a step. Noah's flood is not that big of a step. Jonah and the whale is a very small story compared to my sinful heart and the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, God always keeps His words. If you want to look for proof of the Bible, all you got to do is read the pages of history. Oh. You know, there are just so many unanswerable questions. Why did Hitler take a sleeping pill early in the morning of June 6th and refused to be awakened as our troops came ashore at Normandy. They couldn't get the panzers because they couldn't wake up the Fuhrer. And that single event ensured our victory on D-Day. How'd that happen? Who upset him so badly that he needed to take a sleeping pill on that very night? Kind of echoes the story of Esther, doesn't it? As Haman was coming in the next day to have Mordecai killed and the king couldn't sleep and he read the story of Mordecai and sent Haman out. Do you see the, the comparisons? You see, God is working. Whether we believe He is or not, He is doing things constantly. And he's going to shut the lips of those that puff. How many of you expected to wake up under 60 feet of water this morning? Since President Trump pulling out of the Paris Treaty, we're all going to drown. No, we're not. He pulled out, but he's... Now, I don't understand this. We pull out of the treaty, but we're not allowed to pull out of the treaty until 2020. I I don't get it. If we're out, we're out. If we're in, we're in. But, of course, politics, words don't mean anything. You see, that's the difference. That's what happens when the godly man ceases and the faithful man fails is words no longer mean a thing. When my dad was a young man, you could borrow money with a simple handshake. You went into the bank and you said, I need so much for so, uh, uh, in, in the farming country. It was not unusual for the farmer to walk in say, uh, to the local bank and say, I'd like to speak to the president of the bank. And he'd come out and they'd sit down. And he said, I need to borrow uh, $3,000 until harvest time. And he'd say, that's a lot of money, Joe. He said, yeah, but I believe that we can make that. We've got so many acres. We've got, uh, but I need to buy the seed and I need to get a new tractor to make it all work. The bank president said, that makes good sense to me. They'd shake their hands and he'd walk out with the money. And he didn't have to worry about someone mugging him on the way out of the bank because they were watching him make the transaction. 
when we signed the mortgage on this building, the second one, we paid off the synagogue and transferred $250,000 debt on this entire property as collateral to our insurance company. Our agent calls up and he says, listen, he said, the paperwork is so expensive. He said, we can't even charge you for it. He said, we, we, we have over 100 pages of typewritten legalese to make this thing work. He said, so what we're going to end up doing is we're going to charge you this certain fee, but we can't even pay for all the paperwork. And all we were doing was agreeing to pay the debt to the insurance agent and have them write a check to the... Isn't that insane? But you see, that very same thing has happened in theological circles around the turn of the last century as we have books upon books upon books upon books upon books that try to explain away. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That try to explain away the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That try to explain away what a local church is. You see, when the godly man ceaseth, when those words are no longer paid attention to, man is left to his own devices. And the only thing that's going to happen is we're going to talk more and more and more about less and less and less. Until there's absolutely no meaning at all. We have empty church buildings all over this city today. Buildings where no people come together. Two or three people come together in, a, in an auditorium that was intentioned to hold thousands. Why? Because they've ignored the words of this book. You see, that's what this psalm is all about. We get down here. Verse 8, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. How many of you are old enough to know about history in this country and the transformation that happened during the presidency of Bill Clinton as that vile man was exalted and we have seen wickedness just spring up on every side? How many, how many would say, Preacher, I, I'm old enough, I understand what you're talking about. Would you just raise a hand today so these young people that don't remember that can see that I'm not making this stuff up. It has happened. Why were vile men exalted? Because we refused to anchor ourselves to the unchanging words of this book called the Bible. I asked my pastor, Roy Thompson. I said, Brother Thompson, Cleveland Baptist Church was four years old. About 250 or so members in 1962 when the Supreme Court decision taking prayer out of our public schools was made. 
And, and we just had a, a few moments to sit there and talk. And, and I just said, Brother Thompson, I said, there's, there's one thing I, I, I don't get. I'm not trying to be critical here, but I, I you know, I, I wasn't born in 1962. I can't tell you what went on. I said, why was there not an uproar? Why, why did not pastors, why, why did not there be an outcry about this situation? And he just looked at me and said, frankly, he said, we had no real understanding of what was going on. We, we thought it was a fluke. He said, we couldn't understand a country called the United States of America where prayer to God wasn't a part of what you did every day. He said, by the time we did really catch on to what was going on, it was too late to do anything about it. Wow. That is the best answer to that question I've ever heard or been able to find anywhere. You see, the world has always been puffing at the righteous, have they not? And sometimes that puffing has had some very serious turns. You see, we're not going to take time, because we're out of time tonight, to go through all of these things that in verses 6 and 7. But what I want us to understand is we live in a world where people talk about Deep thinking and deep thoughts. And yet the deeper they go, the less reality we find in them. How many of you had taken philosophy class at a secular college? Are you really in this room or is this room just a representation of the truth? Is this really a desk or is it just a representation of the desk? If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Of course it does, stupid. Come on. Why do we ask these kind of questions? It's because we want to erode a connection to authority. And that's the issue that we're going to be dealing with with the Word of God. As we study the Bible, its origins, its translations, its preservation. I want you to understand. Not based upon, preacher said so, so it's got to be true. You know what? That's not good enough anymore. And it never was. And it never should be. But if you'll study the facts, you'll find out that this book is far sounder and worth far more than the American dollar. There is more that backs up this Bible than any other book in the history of mankind. There is no book that people argue about more or quote more than this book. William Dean Bergen, a professor at uh, 
Oxford University in the 1880s made the claim that if every copy of the Bible and every manuscript from which it came were taken off of the earth with one fell swoop, he said we could recreate the text of the Bible word for word by going to the libraries of this world and simply copying out where the Bible has been quoted. Wow. Now, this wasn't some preacher. He was a man whose specific study was what is called the church fathers. Every ancient writing... His special study was in the area before uh, 500 A.D., I don't know how many years, but the earliest of the church fathers was his special study. And we'll debunk the myth of church fathers because there is no such thing as a church father. They didn't produce anything. In order to be a father, you've got to produce children. Amen? Jesus is the producer of this book. Last time I checked, we're all his children. So if there's any church father, there's only one. His name is Jesus. But this man was a man of great learning and great study. But he was a believer in this book that I'm holding in my hand said, if you want to understand the Bible in English, this is the only one that you can use. By the way, he only had one other modern version that was out there. And it hadn't even been printed yet. And he was already writing against it because of the unscholarly and all the other issues that had to be dealt with. I want you to understand something. It looks like we are losing the battle. How many of you have ever felt that? It looks like when people argue. I'll tell you what. I've had people say, you're a King James only church. You're, you're not, there are not very many of those. That's absolutely correct. There aren't very many of those. But there's more than you think out there. It's one of the reasons I like going to Heartland. Is I meet literally hundreds of preachers. Every one of them. I don't have to mince my words or be careful what I say. We can enjoy fellowship together because we believe the same book. You know what? The godly men fail. Faithful men, godly men cease. Faithful men fail when they disconnect themselves with the words of God's book. As the vilest men are exalted because people ignore what the Bible says about what is vile and what is not, we see an exaltation of that which is wicked. And we see a condemning of that which is righteous. That explains our society today. Tells you everything that's going on. But God's words are still here. Still preserved. Still intact. And I will say, still authoritative for you and I today. And all God's people said,
Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask as we begin this study of the Bible, Lord, many of our people have had this information before. And, but Lord, I pray that we would once again go through this and understand more of the reasons why we can trust and believe in your word. We ask that you would help us to understand that your words are the anchor of our soul. That the finished work of Jesus Christ is all that we need. We ask that you would guide and direct us through the murky waters, through the lies, through the vileness of our society in which we live, that we would simply be faithful, that we would be godly, And that, Lord, we would listen and obey your words. Before we finish that prayer tonight, just ask if you want to take a few moments, slip out to the altar. You may do so. You may pray at your seat, whatever's most convenient for you. And then.